Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Pastor Peter comes to preach the word. Well, let's give him a welcome right now. Thank you. Cool. Who hasn't seen any of the Olympics? No, you're telling a fib. Who hasn't seen any? A couple of you haven't? It's alright, well you will tonight. It's all good. I'm gonna, you can take a seat. And uh, who's been enjoying some of the things that have been happening? And uh, it's been interesting Olympic Games in Rio. I don't think we hear all the behind the scenes stuff that's probably going on and all that. But it's been fairly difficult apparently and few bullets have turned up in a few tents in athletes tents and a few things have been going on or whatever and and all that but in the midst of it we've seen some incredible things happen and um and tonight I want to you know being in the middle where Olympics were halfway through basically I just felt just talk about a message about in the bible it refers to a few times where it talks about running the race and uh and about us running our race and um and tonight the title for the message is to run your race and win. It's not just run your race and try and win, but run your race, run your race and win, and win your race. Cool. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27 says this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. Have you ever seen someone running aimlessly? It's pretty funny, actually. Um, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Nor I, nor, uh, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not dis- uh, be not disqualified for the prize. When he says, I strike a blow to my body, he means he has control over his sinful nature, over his nature that he carries. He has control over that. So he's talking about spiritual things and natural things and about running a race to win. And there's been some incredible stories Happen, and we've talked about briefly about Dan Smith, who spoke at the Transformations dinner, and he uh, saw him swim the other night, and in the uh, four by two hundred freestyle, and came fourth. Yeah, he came fourth in that race, and and uh, he did the third leg, I think, and and did that, and so we, and you know, and years ago he was um, beating Ian Thorpe's times when he was younger, and uh, and then he basically got hooked on ice. Uh, in the midst of all that, when he was a teenager, and for four years of his life, he nearly destroyed his life, and ends up coming into the transformations program here in Harvey Bay, and came to our church, and uh, and came and gave his life to Jesus. He found Christ and got transformed, and then came, went out of the program. And he's back down uh, to the Gold Coast, I think he's based, and and, uh, and now he's like he's a full-on Christian, witnessing to God, and then he started training again, and basically found himself in Rio at the games as part of the Australian team. And and obviously, and I'm sure he's be out there telling his story about what God is doing. And uh, you know, we all had a part to play in that, in supporting and transformations and and all that. And then we talk about I don't know if you've heard much about you would have heard of him, Michael Phelps, and uh, and about his story. And he's been around a little while, and and. Uh, about four years ago that, you know, he, he was an incredible uh, swimmer and winning lots of gold. But 
no one liked him that much, and um, and because he was, you know, had attitude, and he was off when he was off the um, swimming sort of thing. He wasn't into drugs, performance enhancing drugs. But he had a problem with marijuana. He had a problem with alcohol. Had all these problems, and basically he retired after the London Olympics four years ago, and uh, said, you know, that's it. And he went home and uh, still had a, a drug problem, and uh, and found himself one day sitting in his room contemplating killing himself. And, uh, and you can, I read, found this article written about him very recently. And, and he's sitting in his room and he's thinking seriously about ending his life because he'd had all the success, but the success hadn't brought him, you know, all the satisfaction, hadn't brought him joy, hadn't, you know, and he's got all this, but he's like, something's missing in my life. And he thought, I may as well end it all, which is very sad. And, uh, and then all of a sudden he gets a knock on the door and an American football player uh, who he knew him and, and was, had been a friend to him on and off. Um, he He's a Christian guy, knocks on his door, and obviously God had sent him there to just on this day to, to show up. So go visit him. And he comes in and begin at this time, at this Christ in his life, begins to tell him about Jesus, begins to share about his life, and gives him um, a book, Purpose Driven Life, by Rick Warren, and uh, who some of you have probably read. And Michael Phelps grabs his book and basically has an encounter with God reading this book. And, uh, and, he's, and he quotes in this article about chapter 7 how his whole life he never had a relationship with his dad. And he's, and had been broken relationship, never talked to his dad. And he reads this scripture, this one scripture about reconciling our families and reconciling to God and with each other. And he rings up his dad and basically they reconcile their life back together. And so, and that's like four years ago. And this, and this, uh, NFL player bases, you need to go to rehab and puts him in touch with the great rehab. He goes to rehab, takes his book, has an encounter of God through the whole thing, comes out, ends up marrying his then girlfriend. Since then, they've had a child and he starts training in for the Olympics. And now here he is in Rio. And I think he's won four gold, four more gold medals. Uh, he's, he's, he's won most, most, uh, more gold medals than most countries in the world. And uh, he's like on the top 40 list or something of countries in the world for all-time gold medals. He's won 22 or something. And so he's you know, an incredible swimmer if you've seen some of his races. But the commentators, if you listen... And they shared a couple of times they talked about his life. They didn't mention things about the encounter with God or this, that, or the other. But they mentioned a few things about being in rehab and that. But they said, straight off, he says, they said several times, he's a different person. They're going, Michael Phelps is just different. Four years ago, he's just totally different to what he used to be. He, never, he was like, he's, he's all changed. Look, and then look at his reaction because he never used to react. And he goes and he's hugging people and he's, and he's like with his child and his wife. And they said, he's totally changed. He's totally different. And they see the change and the change is because he had an encounter with God. And, but I think the greatest story so far in the Olympics, and some of you would have seen this, is about Fiji. And... Um, so Fiji have been to the Olympics 15 other times. This is their 16th Olympics, and uh, they've never won a medal. Not so much a gold medal, but they've never won any medal for 60 years. And, uh, and so I don't know if you've seen it, but there's, there's, there's an incredible game of, uh, of rugby sevens happened, which Fiji uh, was in and, and won. But I want to tell you, a few months ago, I read, read an article. in one of our papers. I read an article about the team about the Fiji team. And when I read this, I thought, I, I, I read it, I thought, if anyone's going to win in, in Rio, they're going to win. And I want to read you what I read in this article. And so three years ago, um, they were basically written off and, and they, they got a new coach. 
And uh, the coach's name is Ben Ryan. He's an Englishman. He was coaching the English team. And basically, look, they, they put, so we need a new coach. And he said, I'll come out. And he moved his whole family, everything, all the way to Fiji, permanently to Fiji, to coach the team. And so Ben Ryan uh, is the coach of the Fiji Rugby Sevens team. From the day that Sevens was admitted into the Olympics, it was apparent that Fiji, after 15 Olympic ducks... (laughs) got no medals, uh, might finally open its account on the medal table. In fact, Ryan will only really be happy with gold. This is written before the Games, a couple of months ago. Fiji certainly weren't favourites for the Rio 7's gold medal when he arrived from England three years ago. Now listen to these. On his first day, he did fitness testing with the squad he inherited, and the highest score in testing was his own. <laughs> and, he was, and he was 42. So that puts in three years ago. That's what shape they were in. Uh, After their first tournament, he smashed them in training. Obviously, lost their first tournament. He smashed them in training with accession of 100-meter runs up and down the pitch. After just one, he found Sarah Sarah Mayna Tawai, one of his star players, hiding behind a bush. You can just imagine it's massive. They're all massive. And the big Fiji was hiding behind a bush like, I'm not running anymore. Like after 100 meter run, that's it. I'm out. These are their star players, their team. But they then won their second tournament uh, in Dubai. And Ryan's legend and something of a, a cultural revolution began to take root. I want to, while I'm... Um, reading this, I want you to play that video. Take the sound out of it, that one with the sand hills. It shows the Fiji team training. And uh, don't play the sound because it's really windy and it'll, we'll all die of sound. But it's, uh, these, this is the training he put them through. Um, they didn't want to run on the ground, so he made her run up sand hills. And um, it's all good. And so Fiji had never, uh, never had a foreign coach before. They had never, for instance, had anyone tell the players what to eat, <laughs> right? The breakfast buffets at tournament hotels are the worst, Ryan says. In Dubai, he recalls one player piling his plate with eight eggs and eight pieces of toast. I said, what are you doing? And he says, eggs are good, bread is good, no? And so that's as much as they knew. Eggs are good, bread's good, let's eat. Eight eggs and eight pieces of bread. So they were educated to have a lot of colour on their plates, not just white rice and pasta but with ketchup, but colours equal... F- <laughs> colour, a bit of red. Um, but fruit and veggies. Now they, now they come and show me their plate and ask, is this all right? Ryan has had to buy into the culture he set. When he says no drinking after tournaments, he means it. Not even a couple of relaxing beers. It's an island mentality, explains. If it's there, it'll all go. If they had, you know, something's put in front of them wherever they are, they go, oh, yeah, we'll just have some of that. Um, likewise, no phones at tournaments. Oh, sorry, this, sorry, skip one bit. This year he bought in a breathalyzer on the mornings of tournaments and when they were uh, doing pool recovery, he'd pick on three of them. They knew the rules. If you test positive, you're out. So he was that strict. He said, if you've got one bit of alcohol in your body or anything like that, you're off the team. Um, and then now, now, he said, now they know. They laugh. Ryan says, when they see him coming, they say, I'll have a go. <laughs> Likewise, no phones in tournaments. 
Why were so many of his players, this is funny, so many players tired of tournaments, he asked himself, because the hotels have free Wi-Fi. And so they were on FaceTime and Facebook all hours. So they all hand in their phones, they all handed their phones in. Ryan too. The first time they did it, they won the tournament. Everyone hands your phones in. Everyone. Slowly, slowly, they have come to understand what he is bringing to them. He too has understood what they were bringing to him. These were uncoached players whose talent had been honed on beaches and scrubland. They had never been good at long passes because the balls they play with were bottles filled with sand. That's, that's, that's all they grew up All these guys grew up with that. That's all they played, that's how they practiced. And that, and that encourages short passes um, and offloads. You're not going to throw a ball of sand at someone. Um, it was when disaster struck um, that Ryan understood what kind of squad he had developed. The cyclone at the end of February, that was this year, killed 44 people and damaged or destroyed 40,000 homes. Two of Ryan's players had their homes obliterated. It struck in the early hours of a Friday. Their next training camp was the following Tuesday, about four days later, to prepare for the next tournament on the schedule, which is in Las Vegas. In the interim, almost all the players had been living without running water or electricity and it had been baking hot. And as the grid was down, that's the phone coverage, communication, no one could communicate. On the Tuesday, Ryan waited at training to see who would, who would show up. And one by one, they trooped in. They came, they came in like they'd been at war, he recalls. Some had walked eight hours to get to the road to get a lift in a car to training. Only one player, one of whom's house had been destroyed, didn't make it. Ryan recalls, We're try, uh, we tried to train and they had nothing, so I said, right, you're going to bed. At their training base, there is a hotel with a generator owned by a rugby mad fan, so the players slept there. Ryan got them food and massages. They did nothing for three days but recover. And he says, we won in Las Vegas at a canter. And so I read that article, and there's a few other articles like it, and I thought... The whole culture of their team had been transformed. And, uh, and they were, had disciplined themselves and trained. And so I saw that, and I was, I was very interested to see when they come to the Olympics, how they were going to go. And if you watch many of their games, they didn't lose one game at the Olympics. They beat every team they came against. And then they came up against the final um, against Great Britain, who was also undefeated in the Olympics. And uh, they, I watched that final and they won the final 43 to 7. And, um, and they, they, didn't, yeah, they didn't have a hope. The Great Britain weren't ever even in the game. And, um, and so, but the most impacting part, which some of which they played over and over again, and part, they replayed the game so many times during the day, and, and then they played this one part that Channel 7 uh, filmed, and it's a celebration of what they did after the game. Majority of their team, nearly every one of them are Christians, and, uh, and that's a, obviously a strong part of their life. And so at the end of the game, Pastor, I'll share this this morning, they gathered round and they sang and worshipped God together. And I want to um, play that video. It goes for a couple of minutes of what they filmed. Just turn the sound right up.
And so that went national, like that, all over the world, all day. It got repeated over, and, and I, it was funny watching the comments on Facebook and that they're going, "What? That was an inspirational song." And people are going, "What are the words to that song?" People are asking, "That's uh, they, people." They were listening to it and they're going, "The harmonies are so good. Can someone please get me the words of the song?" And so people were posting up the words that we. We, we have overcome, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the Lord, we have overcome. And so, and, um, and so that, that was being, being spoken out, you know, and so they'd won the game, but their lives were the witness to the rest of the world. And so I watched that and I was stirred to talk about using that story about us running our race because they're running their race and using their gifts and talents and abilities, and God has placed them to have influence their lives, and, and uh, they incredible influence, and how God can take you and use you when you honor Him to influence the world in a moment of time, in a, in a, in a day, in a couple of days, where lives were you know, impacted by what they did. And it says, again, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. I've got five things that uh, we can take or learn out of their story and out of the Word of God about running our race. And the first one is this, is that we need to understand what a win is for us as Christians. You need to understand what because it's not the same as running at the Olympics. We're not competing against each other. I'm not competing against you. We're running our race. We're running our own race, but we're running it together, cheering each other on. We're not. We're not running against. I'm not competing against you. And you know, it's and it's. You know, we we run away to win, but it's we're not. Fought, we're not sort of going. Oh, I hope hope I'm going to beat you. Or it's not a competition. Going. Well, I'm going to get to heaven because I've won. I've I've, I've I'm up to 120 people. I've led to. Jesus. How many have you done? You know, 80. Oh, no, you'll get back to the back of the line. You know, get back there. It's like, it's like, oh, I prayed for someone that got healed the other day. It's like, how many people have you prayed for and they got healed? Oh, well, I, I, I'm none. And it's like, and it's like, oh, oh, well, you, well, you'll get back there. And I was like, and it's like, it's like, get back there. And so it's not like that. And if it is, and if you and if you treat the Christian, your God will soon humble you, and uh, and will soon go. How about you just sort of get come down here, come down here, and. And so how about you come to the front, you know, and he'll promote someone very quickly above you and past you and humble you very quickly. And uh, so our, we're not, it's not in that way, and it, but we also haven't got the attitude like this is that we're, we're running a race and you don't see athletes at the Olympics and like they're going, you know, walking up and they're focused, doing 100 metres and they're going, turning the other place going, gee, I hope you win today. You know, I'm, I'm just cheering you on, you know, you... You run that. You run as fast as you can, and you make sure and turn it. You make sure you win. You know, gee, I, I look. I'll, I'll just, I'll give you three seconds head start. I'll just wait. You know, the gun will go. I'll wait, and you go, just so, just so you can win. It's exactly the opposite. They're going. If you beat me, I'm going to kill you. So, like, so, and so, and so, we also haven't got the attitude. It's like, oh, we just, we don't try, or we don't. We're running our individual race. There's similarities with all our running. We've got similar goals. There's similar things that God has called us to do. And, but we're all called to win and we all are able to win. 
the um, we we find that when we've we've got like there's things that we all do. There's sim- similarities that will get us across the line, but the end goal and what God God calls you to do is generally can be different to what the person next to you is called to do. And the way you get there, and maybe your race seems some of you are you know, maybe doing a short distance race and you're sort of sprinting to smaller goals and some of you are like doing a bit more long distance where the goal's a bit further and you're, you're running at a bit slow, you know, pace. You've you got to work out where you fit. You've got to, got to work out what kind of runner you are. You know, work out your race, but you've got to need to understand what a win is. It's not about competing with other Christians around you. It's about saying, God, what have you called me to do? What does, what does winning look like? Winning is completing the task that God has called you to do. Winning is completing the task of what God has called you to do. It's completing the race that God has called you to do. And you need to find out and know what that is. God, He will show you. He, will, he showed people at encounters, people at encounters with God, and He spoke to them clearly, I want you to do this. Sometimes it's like a step each time. Sometimes it's like, I'll go do this, and you learn to do that, and you say, and then I want you to do this. And then so the picture will get bigger and bigger, and you'll start to see, and you'll start to move into what God wants you to do. But sometimes it's a small step, a small step, a small victory, a, a short sort of a, a race, a bit of a short race till you get to the next race, to the next section, to the next part. of it. It's almost like a, a relay type thing where it's kind of you're sort of passing the baton to yourself. And it's like you're running the first section, and you learn something out of that, and you go, now I'm running the next one, the next leg, and the next leg. And you keep running it until you see clearly that God has placed you there for purpose and for a reason. We influence people as we go. Our, our race, even though we're running our race, we're not called to just like be like, I'm running my race, don't talk to me. I'm focusing on my race. Now we're actually there to influence others and bring others with us and encourage others and help them along. So the first thing you need to know is we need to understand what a win for us is as Christians. The second thing is, you know, well, on that, actually, the Fijian team, they understood and realized what they needed to do. They understood their goal was, oh, we, we want to win the gold medal and, and silver and bronze, we're not even going to focus on that because we are going for gold. They understood their win. They put every effort, all their focus was like, we are planning for those three years, we are planning to win gold at the Rio Olympics. The team trained and planned and said, that is our win. That is what we're headed for. That is our race for the next three years. Gold, our first gold, our first medal in Olympic history for the, for the country of Fiji. The second thing is they... You need to know what your race is. Now, Fiji, they looked at all the sports they could have played, and, uh, and they probably played a few other ones, and they looked at their strengths, and they said, they looked at it and thought, we are good at playing rugby sevens, okay? We're going to focus on that. They didn't say, we've got these bunch of guys, let's go put them in gymnastics. Because <laughs> they wouldn't have done, they wouldn't have qualified, probably. And... Um, and uh, they didn't put them in long distance running because they'd probably be good for 100 metres or so and then it'd be like, see you later, I'm out of here. And uh, that's, they had it after 100 metres. It's a length of the field, that's it. And so they, they put, they saw this is our strength. We can play rugby and we can play rugby sevens really well. 
And so they said, we are going to aim. And our, their whole, if you look at it, the whole country on that day, everything shut down in Fiji on that, that finals game. They, the banks closed, the shops closed, everyone was in the streets, nothing moved while they watched the game. And then when they won, they closed everything the next day as well. And so, and it's probably been closed for a few days actually, and you know, I'm not sure if it's reopened yet. But it's been, everything just stopped and all the country's focus was on them. So we are, they were in it together. They were in this thing together. They thought, we are behind you 100%. Everyone was, there was pictures of cheering and people, you know, there's like 200 people in a room packed into this room and the TV screen is like this big. It's like a 60 centimeter old little box screen and that's as best they had. And they're all standing on chairs and they're all cheering and, and they were loving it. And so they knew what uh, their race was. They understood this is what we're good at. This is what our gifts are. This is where I need to run. And you need to know what your goals are. You need to know what your strengths are. You need to know what your race is. Work out what is. What is my strength? Don't go and, um, don't go and if you're a sprinter, you know, and you're good at running fast, don't go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run 1500s. I'm going to show them all. And so you go, I'm just going to do that. And so you go in that race and you're good for the first 200. And then by 250, you've collapsed and you're vomiting on the side of the track because you've just run, oh, you're way ahead, but they just, they just run on past you because your body is in condition to that. So you need to find out what your gifts are, what your talents are, what your strengths are, because God will put you with your strengths and abilities. He'll strengthen areas of your life around you. There'll be some weaker areas where, you know, the areas of growth in your life, but he'll start off with your strengths and he'll, he'll start to use you where, where some strengths are. And so when you look at your life and if you're thinking, I'm not sure where I'm sort of fit, where everything sort of fits or what God really wants me to do, then start to look at the strengths. Start to look at what you're good at. If you can sing or play an instrument, well, maybe that's a starting point. If, if you're good at talking to people or, or um, working with people or encouraging people or, or whatever, or if you've got some, done some study in things in different areas, then maybe that's where exactly where you need to start and begin to step out in that area and see what God opens up. But the worst thing you do is do nothing. To go, well, I'll just wait and see what God says. Well, you'll be waiting. And God, God says, step out in faith. Step out and start to do something. Step out and say, God, what do you want me to do? Sometimes he just waits and says, well, you just step out and start to just tell someone about me or reach out and begin to help someone or offer, you know, help to someone. And as you do it, it's amazing. God suddenly goes, yeah, that's good. Now you just step one more step and take another step and God suddenly opens things up. So you need to know what your race is. The third thing is this, they had a strategy to win and uh, we need a strategy to win and God has given us ways to win and strategies to win. It says that they run in such a way as to win, it says in that scripture, run in such a way as to win. Run in such a way as to win. When I read that, I, I see strategy. God is saying there's a way that you can run that will cause you to win and you need to find out that way. And he says, I'll show you that way if you will just stop and listen to me and let me speak to you. Sometimes we just run off and get a great idea and we do, 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 do it all ourselves and God's going, hang on, hang on a minute. I want to show you the best way to do it. There's a way we can run our race of life. There's a strategy where you won't lose, but you will win. You, if you do it God's way, you will win. You will win. We see that, you know, 
that on that video that the, that the Fijians, they trained hard. They started off and they were totally out of shape. They do want, you know, they couldn't run 100 metres up the thing and they're one of their star players is hiding behind a, a tree or whatever thinking like, I'm not doing that anymore because it's too hard, you know. And so it doesn't mean that when you step out and begin to do things to God, you're going to go, oh, this is going to be so easy. You know, it's going to be so, I'm just going to, oh, it got, following Jesus is going to be so easy and we'll just, we'll just go out and won't be any hassles because I'm doing God's way. But I tell you, it's not easy. Sometimes stepping out in faith into something brand new and, and coming up against, you know, breaking new ground or going to doing something you haven't done before, the enemy will try and stop you. He'll try and, he'll try and you know, the Bible says our fight isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual, spiritual uh, powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. It's like the enemy will try and come against you and try and shut you down and close you down and resist what you're doing. As soon as you start taking ground and you start doing something good for God, he goes, oh, this is trouble. We need, to, we need to slow this down a bit. This is not good. We need to slow this. So they, he'll throw things your way, but when you've got your eyes fixed on Jesus, when you've got your eyes fixed on him, doing things God's way, you come against stuff, but you keep pushing through. And you go, no, I've got my eyes fixed on what God has called me to do. I'm running my way, a race. I know, I know what the end goal is. I know I'm, this, I'm in the right place. I'm, I know where the finish line is. God's called me to win. God's called me to finish. God's called me to complete this race. It says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So it says, whatever you do, so in your workplace, you should be the best worker in your workplace. You should be setting the best example. No matter what people think of you, no matter what, what they say or don't say, or whether they think, you know, they, you're thinking, oh, they're looking at it going, oh, you're just trying to, you know, be really good so the boss will like you better. No, you're just, you're just doing things if you're serving Jesus himself. And so you be the best worker you could be. God rewards that. God has given us strategies to win, strategic tools to win. Some of these are... The Word of God is a strategic tool. When you get the Word of God into you and begin to know the Word of God and live the Word of God and read the Word of God, it begins to mold and make you and and sharpen you and transform you and and change you and and helps to develop you. And and in it, you see strategies of things like, no, I can't do that anymore. God wants me to do this. And the way to treat people and speak to people and the way to, to draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. So the Word of God is powerful and God will use that to, to help you to run your race to win. The power of God is with you. The power of God, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And when you know the Spirit of God is on the inside of you, He's given you the power to overcome. So when the enemy comes against you, you can walk strong and say, No, I have the, the name of Jesus is greater than you. I come against you in His name. And you walk for you keep make, taking ground off the enemy. You keep running your race. And it's God's strategy. The power of God is on the inside of you. The gifts of the Spirit, they're like a secret weapon. Secret weapon, the enemy has no answer against it. People of this world don't understand it, but the gifts of the Spirit, when you know Christ, the gifts of the Spirit, the words of knowledge and the gift of faith and the gift of healing, all these things are like secret weapons that suddenly are activated within you and you're running your race and it's affecting and influencing people around you because the gifts of the Spirit, when they're at work, it's a strategy that God will use to help you to run your race. And prayer 
is a strategy, one of the greatest strategies. It's a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. And when you understand and can pray and you take time to spend, not just, not just like going, oh, prayer, floaty prayer here and there or whatever about, oh, I need this, I need that. Or you, d- you deliberately go, God, I'm seeking you today. And I'm believing and I'm asking. And your word says, and I'm believing that what you said is true. And I'm believing what you've called me to. And begin to pray, begin to pray for others, to pray for what your day and to encounter people and to run into people. God, put people in my path today that I can influence, that I can speak to. And if you begin to pray for your day and people around you, God answers prayer. And it's a powerful weapon. It's a strategy God will use. When these things are active in your life, you will constantly move forward and you will win. You will con- you're never stagnant. When those things are active, you'll never stand still. You'll never be comfortable just as where you are. You'll always be moving forward in your goals, in your race. You'll always be moving forward and you will win. There's no doubt you won't, you'll lose. You will win when these strategies and these things are active in your life. The other thing they had was that they had a great coach. This guy who's obviously still their coach. And uh, he, Fiji had this great coach that totally brought in things they'd never done before, disciplines they never had before around all different areas of their life. Then that was really the secret of them getting fit and focused and, and, and winning was the disciplines that he brought in. And I want to tell you, we have a coach and he's the Holy Spirit. He's the best coach you will ever have. And you know what? He's put assistant coaches around you. There's pastors and there's leaders and there's friends around you that are assistant coaches to the Holy Spirit. He's the head coach, but there's all these assistant coaches around you that as you're running your race, they're helping you and they're cheering you on and saying, oh, I think you just need to adjust that a bit. Or maybe you should change the way you're doing that. Or I think you should do this. Or God said, he spoke to me the other night to encourage you about this or about that. And so there's people cheering you on. But your coach, the Holy Spirit, it when you just listen he will give you tools he will give you words he will direct your path he will say this is the way he will just discipline you he will bring discipline to your life because he wants you to win he just doesn't want you just to get over the line he wants you to triumph over the line to be to be flying over the line to be to be influencing taking a whole lot of people over the line with you that because we're all winning together the fourth thing, fourth thing is this. They were unified or united and they cheered each other on. They're, they're back home on the, on the TV screens, they showed as much footage of the people of Fiji on their ovals or out in ovals and all that kind of stuff. They showed as much footage as that as the game because the whole country was so focused on them winning and cheering them on. It was like this unity was there going, we're going for Fiji. And there's people, you know, we praise the Lord, we won. And they're just like, just thanking God they actually won a medal, you know. But for their country, it was more than just a medal. It was like a, we've, we've done something. Our team are victorious. We've, they've done something that did something to their, to their hearts and their souls and their country. They've been through a terrible cyclone that had killed people. 40,000 homes were destroyed and, and they've had a bad year. But it's like their team, their team won. Their team triumphed, and it's like it's something that has just brought them together and saying, we are going to cheer this on. We have overcome. We have overcome. We have won a medal. We have won a victory. And it's like done something for their country. And so in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Have you got any weights that are slowing you down? Especially the sin 
that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, um, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. He says, look at all that Jesus went through. He said, don't become weary. Don't give up. He made it through and he's given you the strength to make it through. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. It's not not fixed on ourselves. They're not fixed on some other person, even though they could be a a great preacher or man of God or whatever, but they're there to encourage us. But our eyes are solely fixed on Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on him. It's amazing what unity does. That team that won was totally unified. They were playing as one team. There was no way, there was no way that anyone was going to beat them. They had total confidence in each other and that they were going to win that medal. Their country was unified and was totally confident. In fact, their prime minister said to them before they left, they said, you will come back with nothing other than gold. He, they stood before the prime minister and said, I expect you'll come back, nothing other. And they were that confident and had that much faith and said, it, it was, for them it was like you're going to war and you've got to win. And it's like it, was, it meant that much to them. And the fifth thing is this, and this is important. They handled criticism and pressure well. In doing so, they demonstrated humility. It's like there was that comment by their prime minister was put a lot of pressure on them. He's like, you guys were expecting you to win. Not just get a medal, but gold first. You have to win. We were expecting you to win. And so they had this pressure. They had people that, you know, would have criticized, especially three years ago. They're going, you guys have got all this talent. You know, you could got this talent and ability. You're not winning anything. And people would put them down and they would criticize them and say, well, you know, you're just not going to make it or whatever. And it took someone else coming in from the outside to change. They just needed someone to coach them, someone to change who they were, some disciplines and things they didn't understand and to, from the outside to change them. And they, their race was like put it back on track. It's like they were 10 times stronger. And sometimes in our lives, people will come into your life And they'll see some things that need to be adjusted. And sometimes we take it as criticism and get offended. And it's the Holy Spirit, your coach, using someone else to go, you just need to change that a bit. Oh, I'm not going to take that. Who do you think you are? What do you think? I'll, I'll wait till God speaks to me. Thank you very much. And they'll be waiting. And someone else will come along and say the same thing. No, I'll wait till God speaks to me. But sometimes God will just do that. He'll come in and he'll someone from the outside and he'll use them. Someone maybe you know well, someone you maybe not know very well, be God actually trying to adjust and discipline and saying, if you adjust this, I see that God can use you and it'll free you up and you'll do so much more, have so much more influence if you allow someone to speak into your life. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln. Interesting story about Abraham Lincoln. During the Civil War, he signed an order of transferring certain regiments. Secretary of War Edwin Stanton refused to execute it, calling the president a fool. When Lincoln heard, he replied, if Stanton said I'm a fool, 
than I must be. For he's nearly always right, and he says what he thinks. I'll step over and see for myself. He did. And when Stanton convinced him the order was an error, Lincoln quietly withdrew it. Part of Lincoln's greatest greatness lay in his ability to rise above pettiness, ego, and sensitivity to other people's opinions. He wasn't easily offended. He welcomed criticism and in doing so demonstrated one of the strengths of a truly great person, humility. So have you been criticized? Make it a time to learn and not lose. That came, part of that came out of the word for the day. How many of our leaders in government today would be like Lincoln? I reckon I could count them on my hand around the world maybe. There's not many that would humble themselves. There's not many in our nation that would do that. Because they, they think, oh, well, because they look, oh, humility means that I'm weak. No, no, no. Humility means that you're very, very strong. If you watched the Fijians get their medals, I think it was Princess Anne gave them their medals, and, uh, and they're on the podium, and all of them knelt down on their knees to receive their medals. And even before, even before that, the media was saying, I've never seen a team so humble. I've never seen people so humble. I've never seen people so humble. And they had tears down their eyes, streaming down their face, humbly receiving a medal. Not wanting any glory, they stood in the middle of the field and gave all the glory to God. They didn't parade around the. They didn't parade around the pitch. They didn't parade around, you know, showing off their medals or anything like that. They, as soon as they won, if you look at the footage at the end of the game, they dropped to their knees on the sideline. They're on their knees and they're crying like this, crying and thanking God. The first initial thought they had was giving all the glory to God. It's not about us. It's about Him. And the biggest lesson you'll learn in life, the best thing you can do is in your life when you're running your race, when you see a great victory, when you see great things happen, when you see people healed and saved and set free and, and maybe you had a hand in that or maybe you helped do that or, or something great's happened and people you know, want to give you all the praise or whatever, the greatest thing you do is get on your knee and say, thank you, Jesus. I give you all the praise. It's not a, nothing about me. It's all about him. And that, this story is an, a great example of how to live a life of influence, a godly life of it, because there's so many godly principles that they sh- sh- were shown in their life before, the, before they coming up to the games, winning medals, and after receiving the prize, we can all learn a lesson from it. Jesus was very sure of the race he was running and what he had to do. He was, he was born, he, we didn't hear much about him until he was 30, but, he, but he, he got filled with the Spirit of God was upon him, and then he was very sure he was there to reveal the kingdom of God. He was there to, to announce the kingdom of God has come, and then he demonstrated the kingdom of God, and then he died for our sin. He was very sure of the race he had to run. He was very sure of what he had to do. Paul was very sure of his race and what he had to complete. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. In that first scripture I read, it talked about there's a crown that will never, ever, let me get it exactly right. He said there was a crown that we will get that will last forever. And then Paul in that scripture says this. He said, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to also to all who have longed for his appearing. Are you sure of the race you are called to run? Do you know where you're at in your race? Do you know exactly what a win looks like in your Right in your life? Do you know what your next goal is? Do you know what your strengths are? Because God wants us all to know. When we're all running our race, we're all in the right spot and we're cheering each other on. We all grow. We all strengthen. The kingdom of God is revealed. We're all, we're all called to reveal the kingdom of God. We're all called to see the lost saved. We're all called to be witnesses um, for Jesus. Jesus said, we're all to go into all the world and be my witnesses. We're all called to do that during our race. We're all called to demonstrate the kingdom of God and see the power of God be released over our wherever we are, in our homes, in our city, in our, in our school, in our streets, wherever we are. We're all called to do that. We all might do it slightly different to other people and, and where our, our areas of influence are, but God has called us all to do those things. I want to read this scripture. Worship team, come on up. This last scripture, which I read before in the message version, says this in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Listen to this in the message. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers, that's all these people who have gone before us, who blaze the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running. It's talking about like they get, they get and arrive at the track and they've got their tracksuit on to keep warm, their muscles warm. They take their tracksuit off and they've got their running gear on. It says, strip down and start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No paralytic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. That's the word of God. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. All of us need a hit of adrenaline in our souls every so often. Why don't you stand? We're all, whether you like it or not, we're living life. Whether you, whether you think I'm going to choose to run or not, well, you haven't got a lot of choice. You're either going to run well or you're going to run bad. You're either going to finish well and do what God's called you to do, or you're going to finish bad and kind of flounder along the line and think, well, I think I made it. I, um, I play a lot of sport and uh, still do, and, and I, 
you know, I, I like to win, okay? And uh, yes, I do. And so I like to win, but I'm not a sore loser either. And if I, we've played a team that I, you know, I played touch football or whatever. And if we've played a team that's beaten us and I know that we've done our best, then I'm happy. It's all good. But if I finish that game and, thought, and think, man, I could have done better at that. I missed that. I should have got that, should have been better. If I know that I haven't done my best, then I'm like, man, I missed that. And this can be frustrating. I think I should have done that. I, we don't want to get to the end of our lives, our Christian life, and kind of wander along. I went to church. I knew Jesus. So I did along. And we, get, and we get to the end and we sort of think, man, I could have done better than that. I know I could have done better. I know God called me to do things and I missed it. You don't want to watch other people around you maybe doing something you were called to do. You go, oh, I should have done that. And then God has to raise someone else up to try and do what he's called you to do. And, and that, the worst thing is to see someone else maybe excelling in an area where you know you've got gifts and abilities, but you, whatever, for whatever reason you've sat back and gone, oh, well, I'll, I'll get, I've got time. I've got time. God goes, when he calls you, he's saying, now's the time to move. Now's the time to, 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 to start running. Now's the time to not just sit back, but now's not the time to sit back and, and be lazy or not train. Now's the time to start training. Now's the time to push a little bit harder because I've given you everything you need to win. He says to win. I've called you to win. He's given us all the tools that we need. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? We had many, quite a few people give their lives to Jesus this morning for the very first time. And maybe you're here tonight and, and you don't, you're like right at the start. It's almost like I haven't, as far as my Christian life goes, I haven't really even started. I haven't even really know what that means. I've never given my life to Jesus. So I don't really have, know him. But he wants to know you. He, he knows all about you. And he wants you to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he says, if you come to me and ask me, I'll forgive you of all your sin. He sees all the junk. He sees all the mistakes. He sees what you've done. And he says, I've paid the price for that. My race was to die for you. My race was to take your place and take all your sin upon myself. And I've already done it. And now he opens his arms and says, come to me. And I'll forgive you, and let's start running together. And if you're in this place tonight and you're saying, that's me, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Him. I want you to just raise your hand in this place. Thanks for that. Thank you. Who else? I want you to put your hand up. You can put it back down. Anyone else tonight? You want to say, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Him, give my life to Him. Anyone else before we... Keep praying for some other things. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You need to do that. This is the other thing I want to ask is, some people here and it's like, you know Jesus, but it's kind of like you've been sitting back and thinking, I don't know exactly what race, I don't know exactly what I'm meant to do. I'm not sure what the next goal is. And it's kind of like you don't feel like you're moving anywhere. And I just, and I just feel like you need, it's like that last scripture I read. You need an injection of adrenaline in your soul. And tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to give you an injection of adrenaline in your soul that's going to kickstart 
It's like going to give you a turbo charge in your race. And it's going to kick you along. It's going to alert you. And, and it's going to like you kind of come awake. It's like you've been a bit asleep, but he's going to wake you up and go, let's keep going. Let's keep running. And you're going to see clearer. You're going to see the next goal. You're going to see what the big picture is. You're going to see what it means to win. And if that's you tonight saying, I, I need that, I need the Holy Spirit just to kick me into gear and direct me a bit more and show me. If that's you tonight, I want you to just uh, put up your hand nice and high in this place. Thank you, thank you. Heaps of hands. We're going to open up this altar call for anyone who's raised their hand. But maybe tonight also that we're going to open up this altar call that if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's one of the strategies I talked about. It's being filled with the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit filling you. And they come by being filled with the Spirit, by the evidence of speaking in tongues. And if you're here tonight and you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're saying, I, love, I want that to happen in my life. I, I want that. I'll be desiring that. I invite you as we, as everyone that's raised their hand, I invite you to the front, come out as well. And, and when we come to pray for you, come and tell us, that's me. I want to be filled with the Spirit and we'll pray with you tonight. So as we sing this song, if you raise your hand for any of those things, I want you to step out of your seat and just come and feel this altar tonight. Just come and feel this tonight. It's called us all to run. This because I know as people respond, you may have done, prayed this prayer before, you may have responded before, but but God, you know, sometimes we need we do it too, and it's fine to do as many times as you need to do it. Don't be ever fearful of that or thinking, what are people going to think? You do it as many times as you need to. You're as between you and God and you're responding to Him. And so we're going to pray together this uh, prayer that's just asking Jesus to forgive us and to come into our hearts. And we're going to pray it together as a church. So let's just repeat this after me. Father God, I come to you tonight and I ask you that you would forgive me and wash me and cleanse me of all my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for taking my place, taking all my sin upon you so I could be free, so I can run my race in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Let's give Jesus a hand. He's awesome. This is what we're going to do. The team, we're just, you know, I want you, as we're going to begin to worship God, and we're going to, the team will start to pray. If, if you don't get prayed for, it doesn't matter. We'll pray. We'll try and get to everyone. But if you don't get prayed for, it's not about someone laying hands on you or praying for you. It's about you. What, what you've already done is responding in faith and saying, God, I need, a, I need that injection of adrenaline in my soul. I need that direction and clear direction. I believe as you begin to simply worship right now, that He's going to give some of you visions and dreams and begin to open up and you'll see things clearer and you'll start to put some things in your heart and begin to open up ways that He's going to show you of the race, the kind of race and where He wants you to be in five years from now, in ten years from now, and even the next few months. So let's just begin to worship Him. The team's going to begin to pray as we do that and let's just do that stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church